Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and today in the show, we focus on the community piece to uh, healing-centered engagement and trauma-informed care. Um, we've got Cozy Hill from Restore Corps with us, and Cozy has an incredible um, opportunity at her organization. We'll explain all that Restore Corps does, but uh, the long and short of it is um, they are working relentlessly um, from a government policy level all the way down to an individual care level, helping um, those who have been trafficked either in labor trafficking, sex trafficking, et cetera, to um, get the care and, and um, treatment they need in moments of crisis. And so uh, you will not want to miss Cozy explaining kind of the whole scope of what they do, but also just the conversation about beginning to affect systemic change all the way from legislation down to individual care. There are very few organizations um, that we know of that actually work uh, the entire way up the, the chain, the way that Restore Corps does. They're, they're an incredible organization. So we're really, really excited to have had Cozy on. She was a really fun interview, and you'll hear that in, uh, in just a minute. Before we get to the interview with Cozy, we have uh, a huge announcement. We have partnered with Ryan and Rose um, at as uh, they have been longtime friends of the program, supporters of uh, ETC and all the work we do, um, both at Empower to Connect and at the Memphis Family Connection Center. And so uh, you'll hear in just a second, uh, Lindsay Farrell from Ryan and Rose and I talking about who they are and what they do. And um, they are offering a super special discount code to um, all of you who are listeners of the podcast. So uh, stay tuned for that. After the advertisement, we will have our interview with Cozy Hill. We're here in Memphis, Tennessee at Ryan and Rose World Headquarters with Lindsay Farrell. Lindsay, uh, thank you for being here. Lindsay's the CEO and founder of Ryan and Rose. Um, they make incredible, incredible products for um, everybody in your family. And so, Lindsay, if you don't mind, will you just share kind of who you guys are and, and about the products you make? Sure. So we are a family-owned business. We actually started out of our house and recently moved to headquarters, which is now in Bartlett, Tennessee. But we have grown this business just out of the need of something for our family, giving it all to Jesus, praying about every aspect. Um, we sell items for the whole family. We started with pacifiers and pacifier clips, um, but have kind of grown into a, a brand for the family. Universal cup holders, Jesus bracelets. Me and my husband even wrote a book teaching parents and kids how to pray. So it's just really cool to see where the Lord's taken Ryan and Rose. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and for those of you who don't know, Ryan and Rose have been massive supporters of everything we do at Empowered to Connect. And so uh, obviously, you know, made perfect sense for our first advertisers to be Ryan and Rose. And so um, I would just say as somebody who has four kids and we have had Ryan and Rose everything all the way, um, it is not just it's it aesthetically pleasing, but also just like it holds up. Like this stuff just lasts. And so if you are looking for gifts for new babies that you know in your life or uh, stuff for your whole family, head to ryanandrose.co. And you guys actually have given our listeners an exclusive discount, right? Yes, we would love to give you guys a 20% off exclusive coupon, ETC20, for 20% off, one per customer. So head to ryanandrose.co. And the, the link is in the show notes below. You can find it on social media. Um, you can follow them at Ryan and Rose on Instagram and everywhere else that social 
stuff is done online. Um, so head to ryanandrose.co and use code ETC20 today to save 20% off your order, which is massive. So thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you all. Well, as I said in the opening, we are here with Becca McKay from Empowered to Connect and also with Cozy Hale, who's the director of Survivor Services at Restore Core. And uh, Cozy, before we get started, for people who don't know about Restore Core as an organization or your cause that you guys work um, to fight, uh, why don't we just kind of establish what Restore Core is and then the reason that you guys exist? Okay. So, Restore Core is an anti trafficking uh, organization here in Memphis, Tennessee, is where we're located. Uh, we also serve as what's referred to as a re- regional point of contact here in the state of Tennessee. Um, So we not only serve the city of Memphis, but we also serve the additional 20 counties um, in the west region of Tennessee. So uh, we work hard uh, every day with the human trafficking population, and so more specifically that sex trafficking and labor trafficking. Um, And so we serve both adults and minors um, who have experienced trafficking um, and provide aftercare services to that population. Okay. So if people are listening to this and they're like, okay, I had no idea human trafficking is still Mm -hmm. happening, I had no idea what modern day slavery is, mm-hmm. all of that. Can you kind of walk, even though some of these details can get kind of gruesome, um, will you just kind of walk us through what that practically mm-hmm. looks like and how, how people would to contextualize it for those who don't know it still exists? Right. Well, what I will say um, to start is that, you know, so some statutes or laws, you know, they may change state by state. Um, But here in the state of Tennessee, human trafficking refers to, so sex trafficking is any um, sexual act in exchange for anything of value. Um, And then there has to be for adults that are 18 and older, there has to be a component of what's called force, fraud, or coercion. Um, that has to be proved in those cases. Of course, labor trafficking is that um, servitude um, that individuals, you know, are exploiting others for labor, you know, so extra hours, all of those kinds of things. And so I specifically said for the over 18 population as it relates um, here in Tennessee, because we are what is referred to as a state um, that's under the decriminalization law for minors. And so with, um, as it relates to sex trafficking with anyone under the age of 18, all that has to exist is a sex or sexual act in exchange for something of value. So that could be housing, that could be food, that could be cash or money yeah. um, or any, you know, thing that's exchanged uh, with a minor is is uh, sex trafficking here in the state of Tennessee. Okay. So for uh, you guys, Restore Core, um, Let's say that someone is brought into your care. What happens at that point? And what are, what are you guys kind of doing and taking care of them? Yeah. So um, we do a lot, <laughs> um, I'll say. And so we, so as that regional point of contact, so we have a 24-7 hotline um, right. that we operate. And so we were designated as that regional point of contact 
um, really by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations, the Tennessee Department of Children's Services. And so the way that Tennessee approaches the issue of human trafficking is that regional model. Um, And so we have agencies in West, Middle, and East Tennessee um, that are those points of contact. Mm -hmm. And so if we, you know, were to get a call, say, from law enforcement, you know, today to say, like, I have a victim, you know, what can you guys do? And so we go into mode um, as far as assessing, you know, like, what's what's going on, you know? So if law enforcement is saying, can you guys house, you know, for a night, or we have a victim that is here from um, Arizona, you know, and needs to get back to Arizona because that's where, you know, they were trafficked to Tennessee, then we may be assisting with um, a flight back home or a bus ticket back home um, and that kind of thing. So what we offer, we do offer both residential services. So we have two safe houses um, here in the Memphis area, um, as well as we provide comprehensive case management services. And so the bulk, I will say, of the individuals that we serve um, here in the Shelby County area are in the community, you know. And so... um, That includes our minors, um, that includes our foreign national population Mm -hmm. um, as well. And then we also have, you know, some individuals who are parents uh, raising kids in the community um, as well. And so the needs, you know, are varied, you know. So sometimes when they come in, um, they may need assistance in getting their ID or getting a birth certificate or um, getting access to food or stable housing. And so any of those services they can receive um, through Restore Corps, free of charge. So just not that much. You guys don't do that much uh, as an organization. (laughs) Well, I told told Cozy before we start recording that I looked on the staff portion of the website, and Mm. it's a massive staff. I mean, you guys have a ton of staff Mm. who are dedicating their their lives to working with this population. Um, So philosophically, I guess I'm interested in this question first. As you... As you as an organization have learned more about trauma and the brain mm. and how trauma affects, uh, I mean, not just the brain, but everything, yeah. um, how have you guys made changes the way that you do your work? Yeah, honestly, um, and so funny that you asked that. So Friday, um, our team, which was my doing, I'll say, um, <laughs> we monopolized an online ACES training on yeah. Friday. Um, and so the bulk of our team um, attended that together. Um, so ACEs for sure is a part of what we do at our yeah. childhood experiences. Um, we do an assessment on every individual yeah. that we serve um, in Restore Corps. Um, and so trauma, trauma informed or trauma responsive, however you want to, you know, call it, it's really what we do. You know, it's, it's not just about, uh, the individuals, but it's also, um, it's the weave through our policies, you know, how we approach, how we take that hotline call. Yeah. You know, it starts right there, you know, and so assessing if someone is safe, can they talk right now? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, are they in a safe place to be able to even have that conversation with us? Yeah. Um, and 
so it 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 really is the thread of what we do, you know, every single day. And so we've been very intentional um, as an organization to ensure that our staff, our interns, our volunteers um, all receive trauma-informed care training, um, yeah. strengths-based approaches um, as well. We just, uh, a couple weeks ago, was uh, the TBRI, Trust-Based Relational yeah. um, Intervention Training, um, that we're considering doing more of. Yeah, um, we like and that. So, we like that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just, you know, we, I think we get it. We mm-hmm. deal with such a vulnerable um, population of people. And so, you know, coming to Restore Corps, we definitely, like, our mission um, is to empower survivors, equip communities, change systems. And so that um, survivor empowerment, you know, is so the focal point for what we do. Because this population of individuals have been so disempowered. Yeah. Um, And so we want to, you know, kind of support them in a way that they can find find their voice, you yeah. know, and they can make make decisions on their own and they can yeah. feel empowered, you know, to like, yeah, I'm the person that's in control of my life now. Yeah. Absolutely. You hit on a you hit on a couple of things that we talk about so much here about them feeling safe and giving voice. Mm-hmm. And I just think about you were talking about all the work that you guys do and you're having to collaborate with so many different agencies. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, um, you know, you and I have talked off off recording before (laughs) about how it can be when you are trauma-informed or trauma-responsive, it's almost like you just see everything differently. Oh, yeah. And so once you've had that aha moment, then whenever you rub up against some of these systems, it can Mm -hmm. be like, whoa, 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 you're coming at this from a totally different perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. So I wonder as you guys like train your staff and as you get people incorporated and as you advocate for your clients with all these other organizations, what kinds of things um, have been those light bulb moments either for your staff or maybe the law enforcement agency different folks that you're interacting with. Yeah. How have you seen those conversations go? And I mean, we can save space here amongst friends. For sure. Some of those conversations go great and they're, you know, get some traction and some mm-hmm. of them don't. Right. And like, we can just be honest about that. But yeah. I wonder what that's looked like for you guys because you are not just trauma-informed. You guys are living and embodying mm-hmm. trauma-informed practices, like you said, from the minute you pick up the phone. phone. So when it's so ingrained, how do you communicate that to other people? Man, it's hard, right? (laughs) So um, it's it's a job, you know, it's a really big task um, every single day. And so what what I can say, what we are intentional about doing as well, um, we know that, so just somebody coming to, uh, to orientation or to be a volunteer, that one-time training is not enough, yeah. you know. So yeah. we um, we have weekly what we call case consultations. I facilitate that with our team. And so um, what it ends up being is, like, yes, we discuss the survivors and we try to look for patterns and trends and all of the things. But as a collective unit, we're also talking about, you know, those issues, you know, like where are the the systems that our clients, you know, are having to interface with and what some of those challenges are, like how can we build a bridge instead of tear it down, Um 
how can we show agencies, you know, that we're there to advocate and su- support, you know, this population. And so sometimes it is, you know, it's like you're beating your head against a wall, you know, yeah. um, sometimes. But I think what what trauma-informed care has shown us, you know, and so, like, yes, of course, we can um, have that same approach with our survivors, but we're all human, right? Mm-hmm. And so we come into this work, you know, from all sorts of backgrounds, um, other environments that we've worked at where that weren't trauma-informed, you know. And so even the conversation that I just had with my team uh, yesterday, and it's uh, it kind of goes with what I've just been saying is kind of cozy-isms um, <laughs> over time. But I, you know, just told them sometimes we really have to self-check and ask ourselves, like, what hat are we wearing? Mm-hmm. You know, so are yeah. we wearing the hat of strengths-based trauma-informed care or if we work for another environment, like, are we bringing that, you know, into the environment? And so we don't we don't expect perfection from anybody because right. we're not perfect, you know. And so we just try to look at situations like, like we would with our clients, you know, like, man, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they're short-staffed, um, you know, and trying to continue... Um, to, you know, like put the filler out there to say, like, we, we want to help, you know, and so, like, how can we help? Okay, we heard all of that, but how can we help, mm-hmm. you know, because at the, the root of the issue is getting this client what they need, yeah. you know, and so yeah. we're, we're going to keep going to bat, yeah. you know, for that and, you know, okay, we can resolve that and then how can we get to the next step? Oh, it just really hit me the way that you said that (laughs) Mm -hmm. because, man, for those of us who are trying to see the client Mm -hmm. and we're trying to look for needs and ways to build voice and felt safety, Mm -hmm. it can be so hard and overwhelming. And I love that you said staff are just and people in these agencies are just people too. And, you know, a lot of us have experienced secondary trauma and compassion Mm -hmm. fatigue. So I love that you and your organization, y'all don't just see your client. Mm -hmm you know, as a human, you see people as humans. Right. And I know that sounds silly to say out loud, but man, it just hit me the way that you said that, because I think it's so easy to get mad mm-hmm. whenever agencies or people don't see things the same way that right. we do. Yeah. And that was like, that just really hit me today. Like, mm-hmm. man, yeah. th- those are just people yeah. and they might be overwhelmed, overstressed, mm-hmm. under-resourced. Right. So sure. I just love that you highlighted yeah. that. Might be. Probably are. are. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. We, we can assume a lot in yeah. the, from this pandemic for sure. <clears throat> so I, I even think about for a lot of people who are listening to us, who are parents, and mm. they kind of came down this road um, just trying to learn more about their kids or right. like hand up. We're just like, nothing's working. Mm-hmm. What do I have to do to, mm-hmm. like, I, I just don't know how to parent. And I thought I did. And that's, that's a demoralizing thing to admit to begin mm-hmm. with, but making these shifts and making these changes into being informed of trauma and also um, having practices in place, it necessitates us then getting into advocacy work for our kids, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. And so I think what you said is so important for us, especially in the parenting world. I mean, I imagine for you with social workers, for us with, you know, whether it's, um, and, and I will say, if you're listening from our kids' school, you know who you are and we love you and you guys are great and we don't really have that issue. But we have had situations in the past 
where it's so easy to villainize mm. people in the system who are supposed to be kind of on your side mm-hmm. and to turn all of your compassion toward kids mm. and then all the vitriol and all the venom toward everybody who's not mm-hmm. instantly complying with all of your demands mm-hmm. to help make the situation better. And so I think recognizing that like this is not only um, for clients, kids mm-hmm. of ours, uh, or other people's kids when we're being nice. Like, this is just how we treat humans, yeah, right? And understanding, sure. like you were saying, like that mm. there's cortisol levels and stress and mm-hmm. the pandemic and all, and the fact that you're working in a system mm-hmm. that is severely broken mm-hmm. due to no fault of the person you're talking to on the phone. Absolutely. <laughs> that moment, right? <laughs> Poor soul is just trying to do their mm-hmm. job that day, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think... You know, probably the reason that you guys have gained the reputation that you have is just because over time, like as y'all interact really well with other groups, they're like, oh, they really believe in this stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. And I think for all of us, if we're reading this, you know, so parents, if you're weary, take heart. Like mm-hmm. if you can also, you know, TBRI or, or you can also engage your teachers and mm-hmm. your coaches and the people, you know, dance teachers and all that in a way that... uh shows that you are having compassion on them. Mm-hmm. Um, a, the results are probably going to come faster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but B, also, like, you begin to allow somebody else to be a safe, you know, a safe place for you. And, Absolutely. Um, and, and I think, okay, so we'll talk about this now. So speaking of, of safety, obviously huge proponent or a huge uh, facet of this line of work and the line of work you guys are in is creating felt safety, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we, I think we even talked maybe on the on two episodes ago with Becca and I that like physical safety is mm-hmm. is one thing mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean jack if that safety is not felt right. by the individual absolutely with such sometimes complex trauma that that uh, kids and adults are coming out of into your care what are some things that you got are there some kind of practical things that you guys do you know, practices that are in place to help create that felt safety in your mm-hmm. environment um so i can you know for sure go to like of course, we deal with, you know, the security, you know, and kind yeah. of safety issues uh, around the the clients that we serve. And so, of course, we take tons of measures around, like, um, uh, accesses, you know, to yeah. our office. Our office location is, is not posted anywhere. So right. you can't just find us and roll up and show up. Right, um, right. And that's, you know, for our, the safety of our staff and the safety of the survivors as well. Um, and so, you know, of course, those things are safe house, non-disclosed, you yeah. know, locations and all of that. But I definitely think, like, in doing the work, what we've seen is that um, consistency really creates um, safety. Huh. Um, and, you know, it, it sets up a level of security, you know, for the people yeah. that we work with. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, when we're, you know, consistent in our responses, when we're tr- we're united as a team, you know, all of those things, we've seen that people feel safer, you know, that way. And especially yeah. with our population, because the life, you know, of a trafficking survivor, um, being, being in the life, you know, there is so much uncertainty, right? Right. You know, and so you may have a quota to meet today. 
today or, you know, you may get abused today physically. Yeah. Um, you know, you may have a, a transaction, you know, that turns into a sexual assault or, you know, mm. something of that nature. And so, you know, we, again, is an intentional thing about factoring in that consistency. Yeah. And so when, you know, they see that, you know, there is kind of like, I can trust these folk, right. you know, right. and so right. the the ability to trust. And so we've seen that um, over time with our clients, you know, and so they may start out um, coming in and just, you know, kind of quiet, haven't really found their voice, you know, just yet. And then when, um, you know, it's so like dynamic when we can see that they found their voice, you know, and so yeah. I know in this work, um, or this realm, you know, it's crazy probably uh, when we're like, she's found her voice, you know, and yeah. it may not come out, you know, how sure. we right. <laughs> we expect it to. Right. Um, but, you know, you're, you're talking, you're using your words, you're yeah. not just, you know, like taking everything and being right. the yes person, but you're really, you know, like finding your voice, yeah. you know, and so that's very integral um, to the work as well. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> so why don't we kind of move on to this part, portion of the company? I, I think this is probably a really important part for us to have, um, not just for other folks who might be working in survivor groups like you guys do, sure. but... Um, for anybody that's kind of in this in this world, and, and let's say specifically first in the nonprofit world, what what encouragement would you give to folks? I mean, you you've been doing this for you know, four or five years now, and that probably if we were to do an unofficial survey right now in the nonprofit world where you are dealing with complex traumas and stuff, that's like you are a wily veteran now in the work, right? Like, and you've put in your time and um, it's not as common to have careers that last this long or longer in this sector. So what encouragement would you give to other people who are working with the same population? Hmm. Um, yeah, it's hard work uh, for sure. It's rewarding work. Um, I definitely feel like, you know, so I've uh, been here in Memphis my whole life, been a social worker in this community over 20 years. Um, and this, this particular work with the human trafficking population has been the most pivotal work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, being in an organization who cares not only about the clients, you know, that we work with, but about me too, yeah. um, you know, is, you know, it's, it's a game changer, you know, and yeah. so our, um, staff are able to access therapy, you know, um, through the work because we do acknowledge the vicarious trauma that comes through, you know, doing the work, um, as well as, you know, there's felt safety amongst us as a team, um, and, you know, trust that we, you know, have tried to, we try to build on a daily basis, and so, um, one thing I can say um, to individuals that may think they want to serve trafficking survivors is um, really just to, you know, um, 
saturate, you know, yourself with training and tools and um, figure out who your allies are, you know, like in the community um, and, you know, utilize an organization like Restore Corps, you know. So we we attempt to be subject matter experts about trafficking. And so, you know, if you're going to serve the population, um, you know, use your resources. You know, I think that's a social work one-on-one, you know, kind of thing is that, you know, like don't reinvent the wheel, you know, but kind of try to get insight from other individuals who, you know, have a long-term history of serving this population and what, you know, can be helpful for doing so. I don't mean to presume, but I think probably in this table, all three of us have worked in unsafe work environments where we didn't feel safe. Oh yeah, in our no comment professional in our professional life. I mean, that's just a common experience. Sure. And so um, I just wonder. I know it's not simple. I know there's no three steps to felt safety. But if somebody is listening to this and they're a leader and they're thinking, well, how do you create that kind of environment for mm, your staff? What has RestoreCore done for you that made mm. you feel safe? Mm. And how have you, you know, been able to share that with other staff members? Hmm. Let's see. Um, I think transparency, you know, is is one main one. We have, you know, our founder, executive director is awesome, you know, and so, um, and humble, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, uh, Rachel, Rachel Haga, our, uh, executive director, just, you know, she, she wants the best, you know, for every individual that, you know, we serve either in a capacity of, they've experienced the trauma or like we we view our students and our volunteers as we serve them you know in with the work you know as well and so as a team we collaborate and we serve one another you know mm-hmm. as yeah. well and so really just being um trying to be very intentional about you know those facets of the work <clears throat> excuse me um you can, you know, say trauma-informed all day long, but it really is, I think we see it as like a parallel process. Yeah. And so if if we can't, you know, practice the skills with one another or attempt to, you know, um, adopt the six principles, you know, of trauma-informed care, like as an organization, like how yeah. can we... Um, you know, give that to the people that we we truly serve. So, you know, it is about, um, you know, we, we've even gone through um, sweeps of going through like our um, agency policies, um, yeah. our policies that our clients get. And, you know, to be very specific, like line by line, you know, going in and saying like, is this written in a trauma-informed, you know, way? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. yeah, that sounds very, like, time-consuming, and um, but it, it matters, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, people even that come into our safe house, um, you know, I think so many, like, residential settings or environments, you know, like, they're very black and white mm-hmm. in their policies around the things you can 
in quotes, get kicked out for. Mm -hmm. And you're never going to see that, like, in our, Mm -hmm. you know, policies. Because, I mean, the, the bigger picture is... We want people to feel empowered. We want them to get life skills and to be exposed to things that they haven't been able to get. And so um, we don't do anything that's punitive. You know, we don't do consequences. We do response plans. You know, so it's just in everything, you know, we kind of do. And even from the... When we're sourcing for staff or we're sourcing for um, students and interns, even the the initial questions, you know, that we send to folk is going to help us to know if this person is going to kind of be a good fit for our environment. So, yeah, all of that. I know just from our conversations that you guys have also just done a lot of advocating, like, at the state legislature level. And I just wonder oh, yeah. if you could give folks, you don't have to go line by line everything you guys have ever advocated for, but for people that are out here and maybe the work is really hard and they see changes that they want to make, mm-hmm. where do you start when you're trying to make those kind of changes? How mm-hmm. have you, because you guys have passed some successful legislation in the state of Tennessee, yeah. which I think is something to hugely celebrate. Oh yeah, my gosh, yeah. For sure. Um, and give, give a mm-hmm. context, like a scope mm-hmm. for how much you guys have gotten passed in for people who are listening. Um, I think 20, at least 29 of the um, last, like, 40 um, Uh laws were helped um, restore core in addition to those other regional point of contacts helped to kind of rewrite that legislation. Um, And so we are... we kind of have what we refer to as like those three arms, right? So we do the survivor empowerment for sure and all of mm-hmm. those supportive services. We also um, equip communities by doing like awareness training and mm-hmm. training a- about trafficking. And so that can happen like to your small um, church group or Bible study or it can, you know, we have um, been afforded the opportunity of, like, training airport police or um, nurses, you know, at Methodist Hospital. So, you know, the training just varies um, there, and we can kind of tailor it um, to whoever the audience is. And then the system change, Mm -hmm. because with this, uh, with human trafficking, demand is the thing, Mm -hmm. right? And so if we don't get behind demand, then we're always going to have an issue of trafficking. And so um, many of those legislative changes, I think recently um, what we've uh, really been um, trying to work on is there was some school teacher training for Mm -hmm. teachers in the state of Tennessee um, that uh, we've we've definitely been wanting to get like on more of a frequent basis Mm -hmm. uh, for that training and so um, Restore Corps in Slavery Tennessee and Grow Free Tennessee helped to do that first round, you know, of training that's on the In Slavery Tennessee website. And so, of course, like, yeah, you can't just do trauma-informed training one time Mm -hmm. and really be able to, you know, like, work it day by day. 
Um, so that's one. Um, the decriminalization um, law that I talked about was back 2011, I believe. And so before that year, youth, you know, here in the state of Tennessee were being arrested for prostitution. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, without that decriminalization um, law. And so that's also, you know, something that was very important. It's like, we we don't have this right. We right, gotta change right, this, right. you know, and that kind of thing. And then also to get um like the um the the misdemeanors and um the infractions for people that are buying, you know, to be raised mm-hmm. because sometimes really years ago, I'll say, um, when you would see things about like police things and that kind of thing, you would see the faces of the victims, you know, by and right. large, the women yeah. um, in those. And so right. we we have to shift, you know, the paradigm there, you know, because it's not their fault mm-hmm. um, that, right. you know, that that's happening, but we, we have to target, you know, demand in that. So the legislation um, is, you know, is pivotal, Mm -hmm. you know, and so each of us as, you know, a citizen here in Tennessee and in Memphis, you know, we have state representatives, we have, you know, individuals that represent us in every district, you know, here, especially in the city of Memphis, and so... If you, if this is an issue that you're passionate about, you know, like writing your legislature mm-hmm. um, to talk to them about, like, I'm concerned about this. I don't, you know, want this happening in my community. Um, and can you make sure, you know, as a representative of me, that you're supporting, you know, any of these laws that are um, going up for for passing? Yeah. Gosh, that's that's a lot and really encouraging. <laughs> and I'm so glad for the work y'all are doing. For people who hear this and, and want to support what mm-hmm. y'all are doing, where can they go to support and where can they go to kind of to give toward the uh, mission? Yeah, so we have a website um, <clears throat> that is www.restorecore, uh, with an S, um, dot org. Uh, we are on social media, so if you're on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, I think we now have a TikTok because um, that's the, the the big thing now. Um, and so any of those, you know, places you can go and see like what we're up to and what we're, you know, doing here in the city and who's supporting us, you know, who's supporting yeah. the work. Uh, we we also are intentional about, you know, when I think we get most of our motivation, like, from our clients. So mm-hmm. right. sometimes those survivor quotes, you know, of when they've had those um, light bulb or aha moments, um, and you can see those and just what's up and coming for us, you can definitely go to the website um, if you're interested in, like, volunteering um, or if you're interested in donating to the the work, um, which is, you know, for sure will be a help for us. Yeah. Awesome. Because yeah. thanks so much for being here today. I appreciate you having me. We 
Well, great, great stuff from Cozy and a huge thank you again uh, to her for joining us and for uh, sharing just the litany of things that they do at RestoreCore. I hope that um, if you are in an organization that works um, in the general population, like with uh, in a nonprofit context or or working and serving people um, in any way, shape, or form, I hope that those practical steps that Cozy talked about uh, really hit home and can be a great um, intro into um, trauma-informed care and the place that you work. Uh, so for more information on all that RestoreCore does, you can check out our, uh, our information in the show notes. Um, you can also uh, follow them on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and anywhere else that you have social stuff. Um, and we are just thrilled to have been able to spend time with them. We have one more episode coming in the world of systems change. Um, it is our great, great friends next week. Uh, we will not reveal them ahead of time, but trust us, you will not want to miss. Um, they, they are doing some transformative, transformative work in their communities they're in. Um, and we'll talk with them about a unique way they have been able to blend both uh, neighborhood construction as well as um, youth development and lots of other things um, along the way over these last 20, 30 years they've been um, an organization. So stay tuned next week for that. Um, if you are uh, listening for the first time today or listening for the thousandth time today, thank you for your support of the show. Um, thank you for sharing the podcast with others. Uh, please do know it is a massive, massive encouragement to us to see this show get shared um, across various platforms and across um, the internet in various ways. Um, it is becoming more and more frequent that we are having um, either interactions in public or um, even receiving support in ways we never could have imagined from uh, those of you who are listening. And so just a huge thank you. Remember, uh, if you are needing a gift for a baby in your life or um, families in your lives, the perfect place to get that gift is Ryan and Rose. And so go to our friends at ryanandrose.co. Um, use the code ETC20 to get 20% off of your order. That is a massive um, benefit as you're heading into uh, the you know kind of spring teacher gift, summer season. So please do so. We will talk to you next week. And for everyone here at Empowered to Connect, for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, for Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the ETC podcast, and everybody here at ETC, we will see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast. Mm-hmm.